0: This is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it is time for Avoid the Maze, your journey through life. And my guest today is Daryl Williams, and part of his journey is that picture behind him. And first question I'm going to ask you, Daryl, is when you were a little boy, did you think that you'd work in the White House?
1: Uh, first of all, Karen, thank you for having me today. Um, and the answer to answer that question, it's definitely not. Um, for those that don't know, I grew up in Compton, California. So at that time, it was the fourth most dangerous city in America. Wow. So those that saw the movie Boys in the Hood or Straight Out of Compton, um, those that was the environment that I grew up in. So I can definitely tell you there was no way that I could have imagined what my future was going to look like. I know back then the life expectancy for African-American males, unfortunately, was a low rate um, just to get out of the neighborhood, let alone just make it in life. So
0: okay. to answer
1: your question, I definitely had no idea where my journey was going to lead me to.
0: So I've seen both movies and both movies terrified me. Yes. Like, and I'm hoping more people will watch them to understand that the rest of us actually created Compton, okay? Compton didn't just develop. We just have too much hate in our blood. And I I don't understand it. I grew up in the 50s and 60s, and um, I saw the race riots. And I remember one day going into that section of the city um, in Minneapolis. My mother um, always bought her meat at the kosher butcher shop and it was right in the middle of everything. And my parents weren't thinking when they said, would you drive down there and pick up mom's order? And I drove down there and the butcher shop number one was closed, little did we know. But it was the first time that I saw a skin color. Before that, I had, you know, African-Americans in my classroom. Mm-hmm. They were my friends, they were my neighbors. Mm-hmm. But when you see the, the angst that they're going through, all of a sudden it's like, oh my God. And I realized that my family and families like mine were part of the problem. And the reason is that we ran away from the city. Why? Because you moved in. How ridiculous.
1: Um, Yep, I can see that um, from different people. But there's also other challenges going on. Um, A lot of it is just personal choices, um, kind of families moving away from that traditional structure when um, our great parents, great grandparents grew up and then over time and I used to be a youth director. So I understand that a lot of people say, well, the way I was raised, I'm not going to raise my children that way. I want to give them more freedom. I want to give them more choices. And sometimes parents don't realize that when you give uh, children or generations too much of a choice without the proper balance of structure, uh, it can lead to decisions that could definitely hinder your journey um, that's why I love when I go into the schools and talk about, you know, coming from Compton and people ask me, well, how did you get out of there? And for me, um, my journey started with the military. Um, the military was definitely one of the most um, professional decisions that I ever made. Um, not that I wanted to join the the Army. It just happened at that time. It presented opportunities for me that I couldn't think of anywhere else where you know, going to pay for my education, going to allow me to travel, a steady job. Uh, so I'll always share with anybody that's on a rough journey right now, um, look at all your options to include the military, because again, it was one of those things I didn't see in my future. But once I got there, um, it was a really, really uh, fascinating experience. And funny, you mentioned your comment, um, one of my best conversations in my life was one of the nights at basic training when all of us got together and you know for those that don't remember back then we were all in one big room it wasn't just you know like a hotel style now and we had people from the inner city karen from the country uh, rural america i mean it was so funny and we had the best open dialogue uh people kind of debunking myths and asking questions and things like that. And I can tell you from those conversations, it made our whole platoon that much more stronger because we had a better understanding of each other.
0: So my question is, and I know you don't have the exact answer, but why Mm -hmm. can't we do that in our neighborhoods? You know, it just, it, it upsets me so much because growing up, I really believed that things were changing changing for the better and it's only within the last 5 6 years that it really has come to my attention and probably to the Caucasian you know group that we we haven't changed at all and i i don't understand it because there is so much interracial marriage you would think we would be saying, hey, now we're holding hands.
1: That is true. Very good point. And and I think a lot of it, again, there's different reasons for different things. But one thing I share with a lot of people when I speak is, you know, you can only control the span of influence that surrounds you. So I would just tell people, just be the best version of themselves, continue to show kindness, continue to try to listen And understand. And once you do those type of things, that's really all you can do um, to help yourself as well as the culture out there. Because again, we can't uh, take care of everything with one big swoosh or magic wand, but what we can do is have a positive impact on those that we meet.
0: So you went into the military. How long were Mm -hmm. you in the military?
1: I retired from the military after 20 years.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. And this propelled you to the White House?
1: It did. So I was uh, stationed in Germany first. And then from there, I used to win some of these little competition boards because those are the things you kind of do to try to make rank and impress your superiors to let them know that you stand out. And I had a senior uh, leader, Karen, that when I won all of my different boards, he just happened to be on those boards. So he came to visit us in uh, Kaiserslautern, Germany. And while he was in my unit, he was asking where I was going. And I was going to to Fort Hood, Texas. And he was like, no, I'm going to change your assignment. And I'm like, why? That's where all the strong soldiers go. And, you know, because in my mind, Karen, the only way to make it was just one way that I knew. Like I tell students, your journey is your journey. And there's many different ways to get to the end result. So when he changed my assignment from, texas to the pentagon i went to the pentagon first and i didn't like it because it wasn't what i was used to right i was used to pt every day and the structure and there was kind of working in like in an office environment which again hindsight like one of the best decisions that could have happened but when you're young and immature and you don't know any better you just want to go to what you're comfortable with to always tell people you know learn to be Comfortable with being uncomfortable when it comes to your journey, because it really can lead to some great things. And again, I went from the Pentagon, just happened to go to an interview where the White House Communication Agency recruiting team was close by. And I wish I could tell you, Karen, I went to support the White House, but I really went because it was a Friday. I was going to get off work early and I had to go back to work. (laughs) I honestly didn't know what I was doing, I was just getting out of work. And when I got to notice, a couple of months later to say, congratulations. Um, you've been selected to support uh, the executive officer of the president, the widest medication agency I'll say, oh my, let me start doing my homework to figure out what I got myself into. <laughs> and once I got there again, a lesson for those on the journey, identify mentors quickly so that they can help you on your journey.
0: You know, I've been writing about this quite a bit lately because, When I started Avoid the Maze, I started it because I had been doing podcasting for eight years at that time, and I felt something was missing, and the part that I felt was missing is that we all keep walking, and some of us just keep going straight. We never go left, we never go right, and we don't listen to the people around us. And then we hit that wall and we say, is that all there is? And sometimes we stop there and just exist. And I I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, I need to do something else. I need to find out how other people have gotten to where they are and finding those similarities. And we all have that little bit of similarity in our journeys. And when we see that, and we see that somebody such as yourself, who grew up in a very rough and tough area, found a way out by going into the military, from the military had proven yourself, and now you're in the White House. Now, some people would say, I never want to work in the White House, but it is a phenomenal thing to be supporting your government, no matter what side of the aisle you're on.
1: Correct.
0: So when were you in the White House? Let's let's get a timeline.
1: Sure. So I got there uh, the first time back in 1990. So when I got there, President Bush Sr. was in office and Dan Quayle, the vice president. And then shortly after that, uh, supported President Clinton and Vice President Gore. And then went to... Korea for a year, then he brought me back to the White House because of my reputation and the work that I did. And then at that time, I was supporting um, President Bush Jr. and Vice President um, uh, Gore. I mean, I'm sorry, Cheney. Cheney. Vice President Cheney. Yep. 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 So those were three different administrations that I supported.
0: So what I want people to understand is that you were supporting both sides of the aisle. That's correct. When you're working in the White House. And a lot of people don't understand that. They think, you know, everything changes because now we have a Republican president or now we have a Democrat president. And some things do change, but a lot of things don't.
1: No, you're exactly right. The staff will always change, but the military support, the Secret Service support, um, those type of things we support. And we also have to explain it to people. We support the office of the president. So it doesn't matter what side of the aisle as military members, our job is to make sure that they can communicate with anybody at any time anywhere in the world. And it was so funny, Karen, we have to set up sometime when he travels, President or Vice President, we have to set up communications equipment to make sure that we you know, set up our own little radio net so that everybody could talk. And I remember uh, one of my team members went to a farm because we had to set up a Radio site on the forum because it gave us the best advantage. And I remember a radio guy called me back said, uh, "Right, we got a problem. I'm like, what's wrong?" The guy that um, owns the forum wants to know are we Republicans or Democrats before he makes a decision of if we can set up the equipment.
0: Wow! Wow!
1: And I said, put him on the phone. So I talked to him and I'm like, "Hey, sir, first of all, thank you so much for you know listening to us." Uh, let me explain a little bit to you, you know, we work for the office of the president, we're military members, you're uh, sworn to protect, defend the Constitution of the United States, and for that reason, sir, uh, we're just trying to do our job, provide the best coverage that we can. And after that, he was like, okay, you guys are good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I have to tell you, I have two older sons, and they both, you know, believe, and so do I. I wish we could get rid of the party system because we've got so many good people out there. And I, I hate judging people with, you know, with labels, you know, yeah. it's like, well, I don't want to go there. It's a Republican president. I don't want to go there. It's the you know what? They're looking over us, whether we voted for them or not. So we better just, you know, learn to get along. But you mentioned that you were doing all this traveling in the Mm -hmm. military, and I know you're married. So did your wife have to travel with you or did she stay stateside?
1: So great question. So when supporting the Wise Medications Agency, um, obviously spouses are not traveling there because we're doing our official duty, even though we're traveling all over the world. So in those situations, uh, she did not travel. And one thing we always share with a lot of families is that it's very important, whether you have a spouse that's in the military or even one that travels in business, um, it's very advantageous to have a great support network, um, a great support system, because when your spouse is traveling and you're there either by yourself or raising the children during those times of deployments or temporary duties. It can be very stressful. It can be very challenging. And the ones that succeed and do well, we find are the ones that have a great support system where there's other spouses um, in their neighborhood, or they're connected with a faith-based community, whether it's a synagogue or a church. Um, just being around like-minded people can really help strengthen those marriages uh, because marriage is a journey as well.
0: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know in the 90s, um, both my husband and I were doing IT work. He would travel one week, I would travel the next. And luckily, the companies that we worked for worked that out with us. And that's before, you know, hybrid jobs. Um, And he had a different way of bringing up our son than I did. Um, We didn't realize until our son turned about 21 when he said, you know, the two of you have confused me my whole life. And it was like, now you're telling us, you know, where were you when you were younger? But we did have that support system. You know, when I came home on a Friday night and I was exhausted, my mother-in-law, some of my friends would just call and say, you know, why don't you, you know, come over, we'll have dinner together. Or can we bring dinner to you? It was like, who are these people? Um, But You're right. If you don't have that support system, everything can fall apart. And so luckily you have a wonderful support system. And I love to hear that.
1: Definitely worked out.
0: So what kind of advice would you give to somebody who grew up in a situation like you did, but the situation is probably telling them, you don't want anything to do with the government. You don't want anything to do with the military. How can they rise above because this is all they really know?
1: No, that's a great question, Karen. And I would share this, and I do this, and I speak at a lot of schools um, throughout the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, and I tell them, um, I know life is always coming fast and hard, but it's very important to pause and just look around you every young person that I've spoken to, and even some adults when I speak at conferences, when I bring up that question, and I tell them to honestly just pause and think back. And the question is, was there someone around you? And maybe at that time you dismissed them, but when you think back on it, you realize, oh my gosh, there was that one person, whether it was a teacher that I could not stand, or whether there was a coach or another administrator or just somebody in the community. And what I found, Karen, is there's always somebody there. It's just sometimes in our youth, we're not um, attentive enough to pay attention to the help. You mentioned something in your comment about coming home and people offering to cook for you and do things. A lot of times um, in our neighborhoods, we are kind of fixated on, I have to figure this out by myself. I have to make it on my own and life has never said you have to go through it with one hand tied behind your back. And that's what I tell a a lot of young people. When you make a choice not to accept help, you're basically saying I'm trying to go through life with one hand tied behind my back. And why do that to yourself, right? Open yourself up to those that believe in you, those that see something in you that you don't see in yourself um, that teacher that says, you're talented, you can go a long way, and you say, oh, they're just saying that just so I can pay attention to class. No, they really mean that, because I had those individuals tell me those things, and I didn't realize it at that time until later on in life, and I was like, wow, they saw something in me that I did not see. So I would challenge all those individuals to so just pause, look around to see who are those mentors because they're not gonna be coming with a big sign over their head that says mentor, mentor, mentor. Most of the time, they're gonna come at you in a way that you're not gonna like because that's what mentors do. They challenge us to be our best.
0: And you know, it's interesting because up until about the last 10 years, we always, at least I did, I always thought of a mentor of maybe being somebody at the church, the synagogue, at work, okay? Didn't think of them as being somebody who maybe I'm passing in the grocery store, who Mm -hmm. is very attentive to me in a professional way. Okay. Mm -hmm. And when I decided to start coaching, I had people say to me, well, what makes you a coach? Mm -hmm. Well, number one, I I've been certified. Yes. But it wasn't even so much my certification because before I got certified, I basically was coaching at a private college. They didn't call me a coach, Mm -hmm. but I would have students come in saying, okay, I want to enroll and I want to be a nurse. And I would sit there and go, let's talk about that. Well, I took care of my grandma. That's one thing. Yes, you took care of grandma and I'm sure you did a great job, but becoming a nurse, you're going to be taking care of a lot of strangers. You're going to be Mm -hmm. doing a lot of other things, you know, and I would go through it, and I can't, I have to be honest, probably 75% of the people who walked in my office did not register because they said, You finally listened to me. I mean, there are other things that I can do to help people. And it was like, Well, absolutely. So then when I decided to start coaching and people asked me that same question, I said, I'm going to show you my 10 year history.
1: There you go. And I've
0: kept in touch with many of those. Prospect students. Some of them went on to get a law degree. I have great. a couple who actually decided that they wanted, you know, to do adult care, you know, mm-hmm. but they chose different paths. And why? Because they opened up their eyes when we talked. And that's what I think is a great thing about what you're doing going into the school is you're giving those kids an opportunity to say, Oh, yeah, maybe I could do that. And stop saying the words I can't, because I did that probably for the first six years of my life. Somebody would say, you know, can you do this? Oh, I can't do that. And it started with when I went back to college and I'd take two math classes. And I said, I can't do math. And they said to me, well, if you want your degree, you're going to have to do math. And my husband became my mentor. He Um, would sit in the room while I did my math. And if I'd be sitting there like ready to cry because I couldn't do it, he'd say, okay, take a break. And then I'd come back and I'd say, but I'm so confused. He'd have me tell him what I was confused about. And all of a sudden be like, oh, there's the answer. Now I know how to do it. And I'll tell you, he's not great at math either. So (laughs) it was all about, giving me the confidence. So what are some of the words of wisdom that you do give these students who come up to you and go, you know, oh, Mr. Williams, it's never going to happen for me because, you know, I don't even know who my father is and my mother's working and I'm, I'm a latchkey kid
1: so a lot of times i share with them because a lot of them especially now i mean they have so much access to information that i didn't have growing up yeah. so sometimes i can just ask them simple questions like you know who are your favorite stars who are your favorite heroes go back don't tell me their um, top um, movie that they made or the top song, album that they made find an interview where they talked about who helped them and almost every one of them karen can find out and say, oh, wow, I didn't know that that person had someone who helped them along the way. So I try to tie into what they are into and then, because I already know in life, everybody that's made it has had some form or fashion of a mentor, maybe not that official title, but somebody who believed in them, poured into their life. And then I just challenge them to say, hey, if you want to accomplish whatever goals that you have or dream new dreams or set new paradigms, that maybe did not exist in your family. All that can start uh, with first belief in yourself and then wanting to uh, change the way you work through the maze in your life. Because all of us go through a maze. That's why I love your podcast title. Um, all of us have a maze that we have to go through It right. never uh, stops. It, it just changes. But it's always a maze wherever we're going. And then I you know, challenge them to connect with, again, somebody... That can help them get to where they're going and when they sit back and i tell them you know you're smarter than i am at your age right i didn't have all these technology and access you know i had to go to this stupid thing called the library and these <laughs> heavy books called encyclopedias i said don't look it up it's not worth it <laughs> but you have all this great information and i just let them know that uh, trust me older people didn't create these type of things. It's young people with innovation and young minds like yourself with imagination. I said, so guess what? It's already in you. You just got to find a way to channel it.
0: Well, and that's one of the things that we talk about through Avoid the Maze is that we all have challenges, but with each challenge, there are opportunities. And, you know, when I, when I started podcasting, um, I was pushed out of corporate America. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody decided that I was too old and I wore hearing aids. And it was like, really? I'm working circles around everybody else, but okay. So I um, made the choice that, all right, I'm going to leave this place. But I came home and got very depressed. Sure. And my husband said to me, take your time. And I said, no, I don't want to take my time. This is not me. And so out of the blue, I just said, I want to start podcasting. And he goes, okay, figure out what tools you need. And I'll tell you, we spent a ton of money, which we didn't need to even spend 10 years ago, but we did. Um, I took a YouTube course on how to put it all together. And the first podcast I did was at an internet uh, radio station. Didn't get paid, but they said, yes, you have an hour a week that you can come in and do this. And I learned just by doing, because it was my passion. I wanted to talk to people like you, like your wife, like 100 plus people that I've interviewed in the past year. I want to know hey, is there a missing piece still in my life that I'm going to hear with you? Because maybe I can do that too. Or maybe I don't want to do that. And maybe I want to scratch that off my list. And that's what I'm finding our listeners are getting out of our show. That, you know, Gerald came from a rough neighborhood and now he lives in Washington, D.C. and he's doing what he loves to do. And he's done all this traveling and he worked in the White House, which for some people, that's a big star. For other people would be like, it was a job, okay? But you're changing the minds of young people. You're giving them that opportunity.
1: And that's what it's about. Um, A lot of people I talk to, you know, they're like, oh, you should be on the circuit, charging $10,000 of speaking engagement. I'm like, you know, all that'll come in time, in due time. But, you know, right now, I just feel like the life that I've had, you know, again, to go from where I came from, and then not just to work for the White House Communications Agency for, you know, 15 years in the uniform, then five years as an instructor at the Leadership Academy, but then to be inducted into, The White House Communication Agency Hall of Fame in 2020 is like, okay, that's it, right? I have to continue to pay it forward because I'm not the only person um, that can reach those types of heights. So like you said, once you find your passion and match that with your purpose, um, everything else takes care of itself.
0: So are you in the belief that communities like Compton can start to heal and get better?
1: I believe so. I, I think the minute that any of us on this earth walk out the door and don't have hope, then um, there's no need for us to go forward. So I think as long as hope is alive in someone or some group or individuals, there's always uh, opportunities out there. And they're happening. A lot of times we just don't see it because maybe the news isn't focused on that at that moment. But I do believe that there's a lot of people that are doing some amazing things, coming from amazing backgrounds, teaming up with people that they may meet in college or in business uh, organizations. And they're doing some great things. And I do believe that uh, any situation, like even in rural America, you know, people are connecting with like-minded people that have ideas and they're using their imagination to change the world.
0: It is wonderful. So how can our listeners find you? Because you are a wealth of information and maybe we'll really kickstart uh, you getting around talking to more people. No,
1: I appreciate that. They can find me on the um, internet, obviously on uh, Facebook through Alliance Seminars uh, Coaching. Um, then they go to my website, AllianceSeminars.org. And I'm also on LinkedIn.
0: That is wonderful. Well, I'm sorry I missed talking to your wife today. We will will reset. We're going to get her rescheduled. Absolutely. This was so exciting for me um, because if we touch one person in this podcast today, we have made a dent in getting rid of hate. And let me tell you, there's enough hate around us that if we can just slice off one more piece it's a beautiful day.
1: Absolutely agree.
0: Have a great day. I will talk to you again soon. Thanks, Carol. Thank you for
1: having me, Karen.